talk amongst yourselves for a moment, that's great. Yeah, we really wanna appreciate you guys, each and every one of you. They come early and in the week they practice as well and they really help us to engage. They help us to enter into the presence of God. So not only do we wanna appreciate these guys, but every one of you that serves and helps us to make church a place to come to on a Sunday. So thank you to all our helpers, our servers. Uh, We couldn't do it without you. So who's ready for Christmas? Okay, I'll ask the guys online. You, everyone watching online, who's ready for Christmas? I bet you've got your trees up. Have you bought your presents yet? I know my grandchildren are getting very excited about Christmas and the presents that Gran's gonna buy them. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's sometimes costly, isn't it, at Christmas? So my daughter has told me, strictly, I can only buy one present for each child. So, yeah. But, you know, long before pantomimes and presents. You know, long before there were reindeers and and sledges dashing through the snow, there was something else special about Christmas. Christmas, the first Christmas, was a time when God came down, when Almighty God, who created heaven and earth and everything in it, get that, when God came down and broke through into our world with the best Christmas present of all. And it was loved, wrapped up in swaddling clothes. It was hope laying in a manger. It was Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior of this world. So at Christmas time, we want to be reminded of why we are celebrating. We want to be reminded about why we are sharing gifts with each other. Because God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, gave His one and only Son the best gift of all. You know, that gift was so amazing that the angels shone around that place that first Christmas, that first nativity scene. It was such an amazing time that shepherds stopped what they were doing and they packed up and they followed the star so they could get a glimpse of this saviour, this Messiah that was born. In fact, there were three wise men that traversed afar. They followed the star. They went from hills and mountains. They came from different countries. And it took them a long time because they knew this was an awesome moment. They knew this was the best gift to mankind. So today, I want to talk to you about not three wise men, but three wise women. So guys in the house, guys watching, don't switch off because I wanna share the heart of these three women, but also the message they carry, the gifts they bring to Jesus are the same things that we can bring to Jesus this Christmas. You know, I've heard a story many times that if it had been three wise women, it would have gone like this that they would have asked for the right directions, they would have used sat-nav, they would have arrived on time, they would have helped to deliver the baby, they would have cleaned up the stable, they would have sanitized everything down, made sure everyone was wearing masks, they would have cooked and and given a casserole, and there would have been peace on earth. Amen? So I want to talk about three Amazing women that featured in this first nativity story. 
Their names are Mary, Elizabeth, and Anna. So first of all, if you've got your Bible with you, turn to the Gospel of Luke and it's chapter one. And if not, I will read it for you. It says, verse 26, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. We all see this in our children's activities, don't we? The angel said, greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words. And she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. I can just imagine, you know, if an angel rocks up in my kitchen, 20 foot tall and shining with all the glory of God. And he says, don't be afraid. I'm really going to listen to his words and not be afraid anymore. I'm not sure whether that quelled Mary's fear at the time. But Mary, you found favour with God and you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will see no end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, the angel asked, the, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Just to explain, this is a bit like the creation of the world, the creation of the earth, when the Holy Spirit was hovering over the earth at that time and God was about to create something. So this is another moment where God is about to create something and the Holy Spirit does this hovering, overshadowing work. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is already in her sixth month. Mary's response is amazing. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled through me. So the first thing I want to look at is this young girl, Mary. She's probably about 14. Some scholars say younger, some say older. But she is not a fully-fledged, grown-up, worldly-known adult. She's naive. She is young. She is tender. She is pure. But also, this young girl, Mary, she's poor. She, she is unknown. She is single. And here comes the angel of God saying, you are going to have a child Mary is on the threshold of life. She's just about to launch out into a, a new future. I can just imagine Mary getting ready for a wedding. She's engaged to Joseph. And so every young girl at that place in time would have been so excited, so thrilled to be getting ready to be married. Every moment of her day, she would be thinking about the wedding. She'd be wondering what, what dress to get. She'd be wondering about the table settings and all the guests she was going to invite. She wasn't concerned about any other thing. She was thinking of her home that Joseph was going to build and buy for her. She was thinking of her future with her future husband. And all of a sudden, when she was busy with life, busy planning her future, busy dreaming, busy being full of so hope. 
God Almighty crashes into her world in the form of the angel Gabriel. And he brings a message that is shocking. He brings a message that is life changing. He brings a message that is going to change the course of this young girl's life forever. He brings a plan that is not Mary's plan. He brings an idea that is God's idea and not Mary's. Mary is a young girl. She wasn't even looking for this. She'd heard that one day the Messiah would come, but she never dreamt that she would have a part to play in this amazing plan. But Mary is amazing because the gift that Mary brings at this time is her willing heart. Mary, so young, so tender, but so full of God, she was able to call herself a servant of the Lord because she was ready to surrender her hopes. She was ready to surrender her dreams. She was ready to surrender her plans. And although she was looking forward to being a married woman and she was looking forward to all the excitement that that entailed, all that stuff going on, and yet she was ready to lay that down because God had asked her to step in a different direction. I wonder this Christmas if there are things in our life that we have plans for, that we have hopes for, that we have dreams for, that we have agendas for. And I just wonder whether we are ready to hand them over to God or even put them aside and take hold of God's plan and God's will for our lives. Maybe we know 100% that what we are doing, what we are planning is completely in the will of God. But this task, this plan was impossible. It was beyond what she could do. It was beyond what she could dream or what she could imagine. Pregnant, but how? You see, when God steps in, or in this case, when God crashes into our lives and he asks us to to step into his plan, it needs the power and the grace and the glory of the Holy Spirit to intervene. Don't worry, Mary, (laughs) if God is asking of you to do this thing, it is not in your own strength, it is not in your own understanding, and it is not in your own power. And that same thing applies to us today. When God steps in and asks us to do his plan, it becomes something miraculous, something beyond our own ability. But also for Mary, there was a cost. You see, she fully understood what it meant. She fully understood that in her location, in her community at that time, for a young girl like her to be pregnant and not married that it meant the death penalty. It meant she would be stoned to death by law. It meant that she would not face that marriage with Joseph and that happy, happy ever after. Mary understood, as young as she was, that although God had crashed into her life and presented her with his will for her life, that it was gonna be a disgrace to her. That the neighbours would be twitching their curtains and pointing their fingers and gossiping and rumouring about this young woman. 
She thought about all the social media and the texts and the, the Twitter and what they would say about her. It would go fast and it would be a shame. It would be a slander. It would be a shock. It would ruin her reputation. It would ruin her life and her future that she had planned. And she may have been a virgin. There's no doubt about that. But she still was not perfect. Mary was a human being just like the rest of us and she was not perfect. She was not without sin because the word of God tells us that everyone, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God chose this particular girl at this particular time because it was his will. And that gives you and me hope that God chooses us not on how good we are, not how sinless we are because we are not, but he chooses because he chooses. You see, Jesus had to be fully son of man. And to do that, he had to have his earthly mother to be fully human. And there is no human that is without sin. But God takes us as we are. And he uses us for his good and his perfect and his pleasing will. Whether we're unqualified like Mary, whether we're uneducated like Mary probably was, whether we're unprepared like Mary was, whether we're unseen or unheard of and we're not famous, just like Mary was at that time. In fact, they said of her town, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I wonder, can anything good come out of you? When God gets hold of your life, when your life is in line with the will of God, God can do amazing, awesome things. 1 Corinthians says this, God chose the foolish things to shame the wise. God chose the weak things to shame the strong. So we have this young girl, Mary, that chose to step into the plan of God. She chose to step away from her own hopes, her own dreams, her own desires, her own plans, and step into the plans that God had laid before her that day. And she didn't know at that moment that she would eventually carry, hold on, get this, this young girl who was about to be facing distress and disgrace because she'd accepted God's will for her life. She didn't know at this point that one day she would be carrying the very presence of Jesus Christ. She would go on a journey where within her own being, she would carry the presence and the glory of God because she said yes. She was just an ordinary girl in an ordinary town, no different to you or me. And yet God took the ordinary and he made it extraordinary for his purposes. Whatever your plan for your life right now, make sure that plan is God's plan. Because if it's not God's plan, it's not the best plan. God wants the very, very best for you. So maybe this Christmas, you have to think about what gift are you willing? Do you have a willing heart to bring that gift of a willing heart to God, to lay down your agenda, your plans, your hopes, your dreams, and step into all that God has for you 
for this new year. The next lady I want to introduce you to is called Elizabeth. And in Luke chapter 1 again, and um, verse 5, it says this. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. He belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife was called Elizabeth, and she was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees. They were blameless, but they were childless because Elizabeth wasn't able to conceive, and both were very old. The first thing I get when I read this is this couple were good. They were godly. They were upright. They were doing everything right. They were going to church. They were serving at church. They were helping. They were getting involved in the community. They were praying. They were fasting. They were praising God. They were doing everything that they should be doing as good Christians, as good followers of God. They were righteous, but they were childless. How can that be? And in those days, people would look upon them and for for being good, for being righteous, for being blessed, God would give you children. So if you did not have children in those days, hmm, obviously there's a bit of sin in your life, isn't there? Obviously you're not quite walking right with God. And there would be judgment and there would be condemnation and there would be an absence of of righteousness bestowed upon them but yet they were doing things right they were praying they were serving they were seeking God I wonder have you ever been in that place where you are seeking God where you are praying where you are fasting where you are reading the word of God where you are doing everything that pleases God and yet your prayers are not being answered and there's a longing in your heart for this woman Elizabeth there was a deep emptiness there was a deep longing and year after year after year her prayers to God were not getting answered in fact she was approaching she was approaching a time in her life where it just couldn't happen anymore this woman was menopausal this woman was on the threshold of a death to her body this woman was on the threshold of not being able to have the opportunity of that that she longed for that she prayed for that she wanted more than anything But even in that desperate longing, even in that desperate lack, this woman, Elizabeth, and her husband, they continued to serve. They continued to love. And they continued to allow God to work through them and through their lives. Just because one area of their life wasn't blessed, there were many areas of their life that was blessed. But have you ever been in that place? And maybe thinking, God's not listening. Does he care? Can he, can he hear my prayers? Is he withholding what I desire? Is it wrong what I'm asking for? I am sure that Elizabeth at times, she was waiting and waiting for an answer to come. I don't know about you, but... Sometimes I have prayed and things have happened instantly. But other times I have prayed and things haven't happened at all. And then other times I've prayed and things have happened after a long, long time. She was called barren. She was called 
a woman without a child. She was longing. But then one day, Zechariah, her husband, he's a priest and there are hundreds and thousands of priests all over the country and sometimes they get picked and they get chosen to go into the holy place to offer incense to God. And one day his turn came and she was so excited and she, she was so proud of him and she's waiting outside while he goes in to pray and he goes in to pray and Zechariah then faces the angel of God again, the angel Gabriel, the same one. And the angel Gabriel answers his prayer and he says, I've heard your prayer. Zachariah and I've answered it and your wife Elizabeth is going to get pregnant and she's going to have a son and he's going to be called John but Zachariah was unprepared Zachariah was busy trying to do his work have you ever been a place where you're trying to busy doing your stuff and God's trying to talk to you said not now Lord I'm busy I'm busy not now Zechariah was in that place and he just wanted to get his job done. He'd waited all his life for this opportunity and he wasn't going to mess up. In fact, he missed the moment of God when he thought he was doing God's work. And the angel tells him that the miracle is going to happen. And Zechariah is questioning, not like Mary questioning, where Mary simply asks, how are you going to do this, Lord? He says, how? I'm old. My wife's old. What are you going to do about that? You see, God can see our hearts. And Zechariah did not believe. And so God had to shut his mouth up because he was going to open up his wife's womb. And both of those two things are miraculous. And both of those things became proof to Zechariah that it is God who is speaking to him. You see, doubt kills faith. And Zechariah received the message from God that involved his wife as well. But he was carrying doubt. And God couldn't allow him to infect his wife's faith with that doubt. Because his wife had a waiting heart. She wasn't giving up. She was still waiting for God's gift to come to her life. And so he had to silence Zechariah. Zechariah was also fearful. He was so afraid of the angel that he was paralyzed. So fear and doubt can stop us receiving the word of God. God says, be silent and do not speak until you see this miracle unfold. And yet we see the response of his wife, Elizabeth, this amazing woman. Now get this, this woman has waited and waited and waited and waited for God to answer her prayer. She is not giving up hope. She is not giving up praying. If it takes her to the end of her days, she will still pray. She will still keep on asking. And when she hears the news that she is pregnant, she responds so differently to her husband. She welcomes it. She acknowledges it. She accepts it. She appreciates it. And guess what it says in verse 25 in Luke 1? It says, the Lord did this for me. The Lord did this for me. The Lord did this for me. The Lord is amazing. And he does amazing things. He does the miraculous And what she is doing, she is pointing to him. She's acknowledging that he is the one that did the miracle. She is showing everyone what he did. This is the proof in the pudding. No joke intended. This is the proof of what God has done. But finally, she says, for me. 
You see, this woman had such a waiting heart that was a gift to God that he honoured her waiting heart and he blessed her. He blessed her personally. He blessed her intimately. He blessed her for a secret prayers and for the cry and the longing in her heart that she was able to realise, God did that for me? Never mind for the world, but he did it for me? I encourage you, church, to have a me moment with your God. We know that God works through us to help other people. He worked through Mary and he was bringing Jesus in the world for the whole world. But there is also that moment where God does stuff and he does it for me because he loves me so abundantly. And this woman, Elizabeth, She gets it. She knows how long she's been waiting. She's felt every day, every month, every year, getting closer and closer to the days where she couldn't have a baby anymore. And yet God can breathe life back into anything that is facing death. He he can bring life back into your your dead marriage. He can bring life back into your your health. He can bring life back into your your faith. He can bring life back into your finances. He can bring life back into your dreams and your hopes and your desires that may have been put down for a season because God can bring life where there is death. In fact, God Almighty is the specialist in bringing life to where there is death. Romans 4, 17 says this, Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. And there was a man, Abraham, who was speaking from experience. He had seen God bring back to life his son, so to speak. But also Elizabeth, with her her gentle, waiting heart, realized that sometimes you have to wait on purpose. Sometimes you have to wait for God's perfect and good timing. You see, John the Baptist, if he'd have been born too early, it wouldn't have worked. If he'd been born too late, it wouldn't have worked. There was a right, perfect, good timing, and Elizabeth had to wait for God's timing, which is always perfect. Isaiah 40 says, But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and they won't faint. Elizabeth had had years of feeling less than everyone else. And yet, now she was feeling that she had a more than God who had come through with this amazing gift of answering her prayer. Elizabeth was a woman who believed and a woman that was able to receive from God. And for your life, I've just got to say, you know, it's never too late. You might have to be in that waiting time for a season. You have to hang in on that wait, but it's never too late. I wonder this Christmas season, what is it that you are still waiting for? What is it that you are still longing in your heart for God to bring you an answer to? Be like Elizabeth.
and bring your gift of your waiting heart, not a bitter heart, not a heart that is fed up waiting, but bring your waiting heart to the grace of God this Christmas. The third person I wanna bring to us this morning is a woman called Anna. Anna is in Luke chapter two. There's not much written about her, only three short sentences, and it goes like this. There was also a prophet, Anna. She was very old. Get that, very, very old. I mean, I sort of identify with Elizabeth at that age, but this lady is very old. She's 84 at the youngest, but she's probably older than that. She was very old. She'd lived with her husband for seven years and then she became a widow until she was 84. Some scriptures say from 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day. What? She never, 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 ever, ever, 84 years, left the temple but she worshipped night and day fasting and praying. And Anna was there when Joseph and Mary came to the temple. She praised God. She talked about Jesus to all those who were waiting for God to free Jerusalem. So let me explain this amazing woman of God. She had a heart that was full of worship. So we have Mary who had a willing heart. We have Elizabeth who had a waiting heart. We have Anna who has a worshiping heart. This woman faced such a devastation in her young life. She was just married only recently. She would have been very young at the time. So seven years later, it doesn't say whether she was blessed with children, but she became a young widow. I know some people that have become young widows or even older ones, but this can be the deepest and darkest painful time of life. In fact, how do they even get over that? The grief, the pain, the, the desperation, the sudden loneliness and all the, all the dreams just gone. But this woman, Anna, who was brokenhearted beyond measure, instead of being bitter, instead of wallowing in, in pity and pain, which she, no one would have said anything against that because she deserved to do that. But instead of staying in that place, she ran to God run into the temple to then live in the temple is a sign to us that she ran into the arms of God. And today that would be like us run into the arms of Jesus because sometimes there is pain that is so deep, pain that is so desperate, pain that is so painful that no human being on this earth can help us. But Jesus can. And this is where she ran because her heart was broken. And she, she ran to the temple. She ran to God with this broken, mashed up heart that was useless for her to live with anymore. It was crushed. Her spirit was crushed. And she runs into the temple, the place of God, and she gives him her broken, rubbish, crushed, battered, bruised, bitter heart. And then God takes hold of that and he can do this for you and me. He takes hold of that rotten heart, broken heart. He doesn't dismiss the pain. He doesn't dismiss the trauma. But he takes hold of it and he transforms it into a heart that worships him. And whatever transformation this woman went through, 
It was so transforming that she was staying in that place. It changed her so much. She, she realized what she had found, that she was staying in that place, never leaving it, because she had found what she needed more than anything else in her life. Her aching loneliness became aloneness with God. Her pain became a purpose. Her mourning became dancing. Her bitter, bruised heart became a healed and worshipping heart. And she found a home in the heartbeat of God because she became close to him, because she became open to him, because she became with her ears attuned to what God would say. She was devoted and she was loving him and she was worshipping and she was enjoying the presence of God. You know, all these women, they experienced the presence, which we might even say the Holy Spirit when we see young Mary, it's the Holy Spirit that comes upon her, overshadows her, and it's the power and the glory of the Holy Spirit that transforms and allows this miracle to happen. And when we see Elizabeth, it is the Holy Spirit that gives her such a strong faith, such a tenacity to wait for so long. And even when she is carrying her baby, it leaps for joy within her belly. And now we have Anna who is now anointed in the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit and she is actually called a prophet in a time when there was no room for female prophets. In fact, there was no room in the temple for female priests. We don't need them. We've got all these hundreds and thousands of men that are prophets and that are priests. We don't need you, Anna. But she had reached a place and a standing in her life because of her dedication to God that she was called in the Bible a prophet and she had a house, she had a place in the temple. But more than that, she realized that in his presence there is a fullness of joy. Even with a broken, smashed up heart, she realized there was a place where she could get fullness of joy. She was on the threshold of, of death. She was gone 84, maybe 94. She was on the edge of the end of her earthly life. And yet God had placed her in the right place at the right time because she was living in the temple, because she was full of the Holy Spirit, because she was full of the grace of God, because she was a prophet. She could see things that other people missed. And she was in the right place where Mary and Joseph went to the temple. They had to go to the temple by law to give their thanks to God. And they couldn't even afford a lamb that they were supposed to take. So they took a pigeon. But get this. Mary is carrying the lamb. Mary is carrying the lamb of God that is sent to, to save the whole world, but she can't afford a lamb to say thank you to God. God accepts our praises, however small they are. And as they get in there and Simeon blesses them, Anna is right behind and she comes up to them and she starts as soon as she sees and looks at the baby's face. She sees something no one has yet seen. She sees the glory of God. She recognizes this is the promised Messiah. She recognizes this is God Almighty because she had walked so close with him. And she broke out in praise and worship, an anthem of praise and worship. And then she started to tell everyone. She told her, this is God. This is God. Where Elizabeth had said, God did this. Anna is now saying, this is God on earth. She saw Jesus. 
She saw Jesus and she recognized who that baby was. Sometimes there's some stuff that we can only see when we've been close enough to God. Sometimes there's some stuff that we can only see when we are filled beyond measure of the Holy Spirit to enable us. She knew. And this woman, as old as she was, as broken as she had been, she was in the right place at the right time and now it was her time to step up and her time to speak up and her time to point, this is the Christ. This is the good news. Anna might have been old, but boy, she was bold. She was unafraid. She was undismayed. And she told everyone, this is Jesus. Jesus has been born so that we can be born again. I wonder this Christmas, are we ready with a willing heart to lay down our plans and our desires and our hopes and our dreams and embrace what God has got for our lives? I wonder whether we have a waiting heart that we will persevere and that we will push through to see the glory of God come through in our lives and what we are praying for. But I really wonder this Christmas, do we have a heart full of worship? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, the rule of everything, will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we shout, church, we shout this Christmas. We shout glory, glory, glory in the highest. And this Christmas, we are gonna shout like Anna and we are gonna declare like Anna, this is God, come down. My challenge for us all this Christmas is are we ready? Are we ready to keep talking? Are we ready to stand up and speak and declare? that Christmas is because of Jesus. I wonder. Let me just pray and then we are gonna worship. Remember, whoever you are, dream big dreams. It's never too late to discover that God loves you and he loves you in ways that you can never imagine. It's never too late to experience a transformed life of significance, of freedom, of purpose. It's never too late to rekindle lost dreams that are smoldering or forgotten or disappeared. And this Christmas, remember that with God, nothing is impossible. Father God, I pray right now in the presence of your Holy Spirit that Lord God, you will touch our lives, that you will transform us, that Lord God, we will be a people that are able to bring our hearts to you, that Lord God, we will be a people that bring hearts that are willing to be shaped and fashioned by you, that Lord, we will bring hearts to you that are willing to wait upon you, wait for your green light, wait for your answer. And Lord God, I pray especially that, Lord, we can bring hearts to you that may have been broken, that may be hurting, 
that may be damaged, but Lord God, we are going to bring them in that state to you this Christmas. And we ask, Lord, that you will do what only you can do, that you will turn them around and enable our hearts to become worshipping hearts. And then we know we will touch heaven and we will connect with your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.